This is 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome to The Main Ingredient. My name is Kevin Bergen, and we all know that Valentine's Day is just around the corner. It's sneaking up on you. And if you haven't heard, The Main Ingredient is celebrating by having a Valentine's Day dinner at Era Bistro, which is located in the Canadian Human Rights Museum. And at the event, Joel Carlton from Bee's Knees Cocktail Collective will be mixing a special Valentine's Day cocktail made from my next guest, Premium Spirits. Jason Kang is the owner of Capital K Distillery, which is Manitoba's first family-owned and operated producer of craft spirits, and he's here to talk about his fine products. Okay, so Capital K Distillery, before we uh, get to that, let's talk about you, Jason. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you came to Canada 14 years ago, right? Around yep, 14 that years was ago. 2003, yep. What, uh, from China? Yep, from China. What led you here? Well, I didn't make a decision at the time. I just came with my parents. Yeah? Yeah. What turn- led them here? Uh, it was, I think it was a, a immigration program at the time. It was easier, so they just try to apply it. And then uh, they think to get a different life here and then get a new start for me. You know, just now when you said I came with my parents, I forgot how young you are. You're only like 33 years old, right? Well, I don't consider myself young anymore. You're a baby, man. I'm, I'm really old. I, feel <laughs> I like, like that. I'm older than dirt. So you, let's go over a list of things that you have done. Okay. Right? Like you, you, when we spoke, you told me you're a commercial diver, engineering student. You've worked in restaurants. Um, furniture manufacturer, what, 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 what made you finally settle in on, uh, or what sparked your interest on distilling? What well, I have to say in the beginning, like, I mean, in early of my life, I was just doing like part-time jobs, just try to make some money, right. have some party cash, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But later on, I started to find, um, maybe I need a trade skill that I can serve myself for a lifetime. So uh, once I start working different uh, different jobs, I learn different things from every single of my job. Even other than skills, I learn different things from jobs. And uh, eventually, I find I'm I'm actually well. As every young man that actually went through this, they don't really know what they're looking for in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, once they keep going, and then they will start realize what they actually is looking for. So for myself, I start realize I'm looking for something. Mm-hmm that can put all my energy and all my time into, and I can actually get in something back in return. Right. So uh, that's why I am keep looking for something, even though it's either a job or a career or uh, uh, my own business, I'm lo- always looking for the same thing from it. Right. So I'm assuming it started somewhere. So did you start with like home brewing beer or did you start with distilling? Like how did, how did it start? Oh yeah, I definitely start from home brew, but uh, I actually start from uh, brewing or actually home brew wine. Yep. So that was supposed to be the easier one or a lot of people were doing that. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. So one of my friends was actually doing home brew wine at home. So he told me what to do. Uh, don't mind the, the, the complicated instruction and everything. Just follow the simple steps. So that's what I did. But uh, what I find is wine is uh, you take a really long time, almost two months to make a batch. And then uh, they tell you, you don't want to drink that right away. You want to storage them for minimum six months to a year. Yeah. I said, okay, sure, I will do that. So after that, I calculate saying, well, you know what? I do one batch that's roughly about 26 bottles and that's eight months. That's definitely not enough for me and my friends. <laughs> so, so, so you're, you're yeah. making it obviously for yourself and your buddies, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the, at that time, people were talking, you should drink more wine because wine is really healthy and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But for <laughs> us, it's more like we need alcohol. We need party. <laughs> so we'll start looking into beers. I, I love how things begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which is awesome. This, this is everything. This is literally everything how it started. We just want to party. We want to cheap alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> From legal source, of course. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and then we start looking into beer because beer is uh, one of the like major party alcohol source. For sure. Yeah, so yeah. I start looking into that and I already have the basic knowledge from making wines or making beer. It's not that hard for me to start with. Right. But in the beginning, I try to make really flavorful beer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started throwing everything into that. I start doubling up everything. And then turns out my beer was, uh, they have almost, I would say, 13% <laughs> alcohol contents, or if, if not more. And, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> That's like almost three or four times more than beer should be. <laughs> so we were drinking that. Well, it was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. The flavor is good. Yeah. So we we're drinking the whole cake and the whole batch and everything. But we find uh, it's we're just really easy to get hangover from that because it's so strong. <laughs> we drink them as a beer, but alcohol contents is more than wine. I know. So my friend asked me, saying, "Well, you're already making this uh, super strong beer. Why are you don't, you know, looking into like a real spirits, something even higher?" Mm -hmm. So I said, "Sure, why not? I already get into it. I have all the equipment. I think I had all the equipment. So I start looking into uh, how to make spirits. At the time, I didn't even know what distillation is all about. I don't even know the word at the time. Right. So I start looking into it." And then once I start looking into deeper and deeper, I find more information, and this is getting more complicated. At the same time, actually getting more interested. Oh, really? So it's more become a, it's more like I become self motivated. Right. So there was never a point where, like you said, it's a complicated process. Yeah. There was never a point where you're thinking, oh, this is this is too much. I'm not doing this. Yeah, you actually nope. liked it. Well, I, I I was I consider myself pretty lucky because at one point I was actually. I found one of the, the, it's not an instructor, it's more like a, my mentor in China. Mm -hmm. He was the one working in a, a, a traditional Chinese spirit dist, uh, distillery for over 20 years. Okay. So at the time, he was kind of really uh, opening for us. Well, there's me and other other people like us trying to learn how to make spirits as a group. Right. So uh, we learned everything from him trade, uh, like about how to make Chinese spirits. So he was super open with sharing information. Oh, yeah. He's like a professor of uh, making spirits, cool. but only in the Chinese one. Right. So that's where I started. I learned the basic ones and how to make Chinese spirits. So I was thinking, try to uh, make Chinese spirit here so we can sell that to the Chinese uh, community. Mm -hmm. But uh, turns out after I learned a little bit about marketing, that marketing is not quite enough for one uh, company to survive. Mm -hmm. So we have to do something more research about the local marketing, which is, uh, we call them Western drinks, which is clear as a whiskey, vodka, right. or rum, or brandy, or even gin, that kind of stuff. Yep. So that's where I start to switch from making Chinese spirits into making uh, a regular Western spirits. And uh, it's a similar stuff. So I just have a different trick, different recipes, maybe different materials. But uh, the general idea, the the basic rules is, uh, is the same. I'm going to chat more with Jason Kang from Capital K Distillery after we return. We'll be right back. I'm here on The Main Ingredient talking with Capital K Distillery owner Jason Kang about how he started the business and what he did to learn more about the craft of making spirits. What was your intention then? Like you, you're, you're obviously you were taking the craft seriously. You're going to a guy to learn more about the craft. So was your intention then still just to make better product for you and your friends? No, at that stage I learned, uh, well, making spirits, especially distillation at home is not legal in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't doing any of that. I just kind of learning from the, the academic side of it. Right. So, uh, and then uh, quickly I find uh, distillation is uh, more like artisan skill. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you can learn from school. 
and uh, there's really not much school that I can find out there. Maybe there's a workshop out there for five days or so, but that's not a really a school. That's not a course. Right. So uh, as artisan skill, the only way you can learn is from different sources, like from different books or different articles or even different videos that you can find and uh, try to learn from pieces from different sources and then putting these pieces together and then maybe fill in some missing pieces by yourself and then you got your own uh, giant big plan. So at what point during your learning process, you're, you're pulling information from it everywhere. And again, nowadays, there's a lot of places you can get um, information, the internet, YouTube, books, you know, the, the guy who's uh, who's considered your mentor. At what point did you just did decide to open your own distillery? Well, once I started doing intense researching on all this knowledge, I probably already, uh, I already decided to moving towards to the distillery part of it. Mm -hmm. And I really make decision after I went to a course in, uh, in Seattle. It's a five days uh, workshop kind of course. They don't really teach you how to uh, do distillation, how to make spirits. Of course, they have a hands-on part of it. But most people there, they either they don't know nothing about distilling. They just go there, you know, learn that as a fun, a fun hobby. Yeah. Yep. Or they already know how to distill. They know the basic skills. They go there and they try to learn how to run this as a business. Right. Because running a uh, distillery as a business is completely different than you just making spirits. Right. Because running a distillery... Uh, Distilling probably only 20% of it. And there's all other stuff that you have to pay attention to. And all that part uh, actually decided if you're going to go success or not. So after that course, that's where I decided I'm really going to go uh, with distillery as a business. Okay, so for those of us who aren't familiar with what a distillery is, um, maybe you can give the Coles Notes version or the short version of what a distillery actually does. Well, to be simple, though, the first thing first, distillery is basically a manufacturer that manufactured the, the spirits. Mm -hmm. And uh, by what I mean spirits, they including like vodka or uh, rum, whiskey, brandy, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because when we're talking about alcohol beverage, there's roughly about three different categories. One of them is wine, another is beer, another is uh, distilled spirit. Right. So when we're talking about spirit, that will be uh, what are we talking about? And uh, the process itself, we consider distilled as more like a, the next step of wine and beer making. Mm -hmm. Because in the old time, where that really begins is uh, the people in the like, really old times, they're trying to uh, uh, restore or they try to storage this beer or wine a little bit better or easier to transport. So they develop this skill, a distillery skill, a distilling skill, so they can have this wine from maybe a few barrels down to one barrel, so easier for them to translate. Right. Uh, trans for transport. transport. Yeah. So uh, that's where it be begins. And so it's all attached to the wine and the beers. So technically, if you distill wine, you get brandy. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. If you distill beer, you got, basically, you got whiskey. Mm -hmm. But uh, after that, the spirit itself actually developed by itself a little more other than just from wine and beer. So for us, it's almost like uh, you have to make beer first and then in order to make other spirits mm -hmm. at one point. Right. It's just kind of an evolution of what you're yep. already doing, right? So uh, what, the reason I'm saying this is uh, there's a lot of people actually home brewer at home. So uh, they actually have a, a basic knowledge or they understand how the beer is made. So this is uh, going to be easier for them to understand the distilling because uh, the first few steps is exactly the same as making beer. Mm -hmm. We have the grain. 
And for us, the grain is all 100% Manitoba grown uh, natural non-GMO grain. Yep. The reason we're using that is because uh, there's uh, tons of natural flavor in the grain itself. That's what we're after, and that's going to land up in our final product, which is the natural flavor from grain. And once you try the product, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. So we have the grain coming here, and then we actually mill the grain right on site, and then we cook the grain, which is uh, mashing processing for beers, same thing. And then the only thing is different right next to this is uh, if you're making beer, you're going to do a louder, which is uh, separating the liquid from the grain itself. But for us, we don't separate the liquid with grain. Mm-hmm. We leave the grain in the mash uh, along with our fermentation and other process. The reason we do that is uh, it's like making a tea. If you leave your tea bag in there for a longer time, you get more flavor out of it. Yeah. So same with grain. If we leave the grain in the mash for a longer time, during the processing and after the fermentation. So we're actually getting more natural flavor from the grain itself, by the way of uh, what we do there. So uh, after we're cooking the mash, and then we uh, transfer the mash into one of our fermenter, and mm-hmm. then that's where we pinch the yeast. And yeast are gonna start eating the sugar that we just created, and uh, they're gonna mainly, mainly making alcohol, and the uh, byproduct will be a little bit heat and uh, CO2. So. Uh, that pro, uh, fermentation process will take roughly about a week. And after a week, we got uh, uh, a mash with 8 to 10% alcohol. That's for us. At that stage, you can still call it beer, but that will be a beer without hops and it's very cloudy and very sour. Nobody want to drink it. Oh, okay. It's almost like something went bad, yep. but it's perfect for distilling. So after that, we transfer everything into our uh, first pot. This is actually where distillation really started. So uh, I'm not really getting into the technical part too much. Well, you can learn that from our tour. Right. So basically, from that point, we're going to do in the distillation, and we're going to do them first time. Just try. We call them stripping run. The reason we call them stripping run is because stripping, the first stripping run. Yeah, stripping run. So the the reason we're calling that is because uh, the first run, the only purpose is try to strip the alcohol from everything else. Okay. So, but at this stage, there's a still uh, all kind of different alcohols in there. And uh, one thing here, when we're talking about alcohol, there's roughly about 200 different kinds of alcohol. Mm-hmm. But there's only one kind of alcohol that we're drinking is ethanol. Anything else we don't want to drink. Right. Even though there's one very close to ethanol is methanol. That's very close to the ethanol. Whatever the structure or the boiling temperature and every factor, they're very close. But methanol, that's the one actually giving high over. Gotcha. So that's why we don't want to drink anything other than ethanol itself. Mm-hmm. So the first stripping run, we're already separating the alcohol from everything else. But at this stage, like I said, we still have uh, plenty of different kind of alcohol mixing together. A lot of them do that we don't want. It either smells bad or they're going to give you hangover or some of them even going to harm you. So that's why we're doing the second distillation, which is we call them spirit run. The reason we call them spirit run because after this run, we're going to have our spirit. So does the distillation process slowly get you down to the product that you actually want to get to? Yep, it's more almost like a purification process. Right. So we're stripping alcohol from everything else, mm-hmm. and the second time we're stripping ethanol from every other alcohol. Stick around because after the sports, news, and the weather forecast, Jason, the owner of Capital K Distillery here in Winnipeg, and I are going to talk about what it means to produce handcrafted spirits. I'm Kevin Bergen, and this is the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Jason Kang, who owns Capital K Distillery, which makes tall grass gin and tall grass vodka, which is available in the liquor marts now. He's here, and before the break, we were talking about how handcrafted spirits are made, so we are going to continue that line of conversation. You guys are considered to be the first producer of 
of handcrafted spirits. So, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, but we always saying we are actually still at this point we are the first and only green to bottle craft distillery. Right. So every single word actually means something here. So when we say green to bottle, that means we have the grain shipped into our facility from one side of the door, and then we process the grain, and then we do everything just with we just that, and then uh, we have our final product, and then we bottle the final product into bottles as a final product, and then ship out from another door in the bottle. So basically, that's grain in from one door and then finished bottle going out from another door. And then the whole process is done in one facility and everything of this process is under our own control. Let's talk about some of the challenges that you've had um, as far as bringing this business to life. Starting any business is a a tough thing. Let's talk about some of yours, right? So let's talk about um, the equipment. You put the equipment together yourself, right? Yep. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I helped design uh, with the equipment so I know exactly how that works or how it should be working. And uh, that's not really, uh, that's not a tricky part. And well, of course, in the beginning, we were thinking the equipment is the big part mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it was custom made and we had to wait for 10 months for it to finish and ship wow. to here. And we we're thinking, okay, so this is a huge part. Once this part is done, we shouldn't have much problems. Right. Uh, but we were wrong. We were totally wrong. Uh, so uh, the big problem actually come into is the construction part of it. Like it, the building itself, or we're talking the actual uh, equipment? No, it's not equipment. It's the construction of the building. Right. So at that point, it's almost like uh, no one really knows what distillery is or how it should work. They don't. They haven't seen that before. So uh, that will become one of the biggest challenges for us, for our engineer, for even for our general contractor, because it's this all learning process for everybody, like from the right from the beginning. So it's almost I have to tell them exactly how this territory works, uh, what do we need, what do we have here, and then they have to learn and uh, kind of come up with the plan by them by themselves. That must have been painful. Yeah. Wow, instead it's like of just reinventing the wheel up the whole time. Exactly. Instead of getting this from their previous job or getting that from their uh, experience or something. This is have to start from the very beginning. So this is a very challenge, a very challenge for everybody. So that actually uh, bring us to the time frame. Uh, we have to extend the time frame so many times because uh, there's a point. Once we get into it, we have to stop and learning from the beginning, saying why we need this, what's the reason of this, and uh, is there other way that we can go around it? We said. So that was a long process. Ideally, any construction should be done within two to three months average mm-hmm. if uh, there's no major part changes. But for us, it almost took us more than half a year yeah, which is to get tough, construction right? done. You know, obviously, yep. you have a business plan to be done at a certain point, And when you're spending money, you, you know you want money to be coming in. But exactly. you're still busy spending money getting the business going, right? So at that time, the construction was going. So we came open. We came producing. So the whole plan got, got pushed over and over. And uh, that's where I start realize the problem is getting more serious uh, by the timing. Yeah, that must have been tough. Yep. And uh, another problem is that uh, we have to work with the the city and other other government that are giving us the license or doing the inspection. Mm-hmm. It's not they try to stop us. They are really helpful. They already uh, really try to help us to go through this process. But the thing is, this is first time for them too. Like they haven't seen the salary before. Right. So what they're trying to do, they try to fill us in different categories which is not 100% uh, suitable for us. So there are going to be different regulations that we'll have to take with and uh, different uh, different uh, limitations that we'll have to talk about it. 
And uh, again, it's all learning process for everybody. So it takes really long time and a lot of effort and energy. I'm tired just hearing you uh, talk about it. Holy smokes, man. Um, okay, so let's get to the product. Let's talk about Capital Case product. So your first product is tall grass vodka. So why did you decide to make vodka first? Well, vodka is uh, is a one is uh, very easy to make. Consider like others. The reason I'm saying that is because uh, uh, we're basically separating our product by is either clear spirits or brown spirit. Okay. So by saying brown spirit, that will be like whiskey, brandy, or rum, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that been aged in oak barrel for over years. And in Canada, by regulation, we you can only call something whiskey after this product has been stored in oak barrel for three years, minimum. So that means if we start from whiskey, we can't even sell anything in the first three years. That's not acceptable for us. <laughs> Just a higher level of yeah. what you went through with your buddies with the wine, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's why we start, we always, any distillery always start from spirit clear, uh, clear spirits. Right. So the major clear spirit, that will be, uh, that will be vodka. Okay. And another reason that we start from vodka is because vodka actually is uh, a very common base spirit for a lot of other, other drinks. Let's say uh, different flavors of vodka or even liqueur or even gin. Oh, really? It's all based on vodka. You oh, have to make wow, vodka first. Okay, if you go to the LC, you see different brands of vodka for various prices. So maybe you can talk about the different ways vodka can be produced that will affect the taste and affect you know its price. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, not to be pointing fingers here, but uh, of course there's different ways to, pre- uh, to produce uh, spirits. And some of them, they have a lower cost. And some of them, they save a lot of labor or they save uh, a lot of money on the processing so they can lower their uh, their price uh, but in return, some of the product not as premium. I wouldn't say it's not good. It's it's good product, but not as premium as others. Right. So, for example, there's a, there's a pre-made alcohol. We call them GNS. So it's green neutral spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's something you can purchase in tolls. So uh, by purchasing that, you can actually just you know processing that a little bit more just you know to to purify it a little more and adding water and it just package so there it goes your basic vodka and then those ones of course is a little bit rougher mm-hmm. uh because you have no control of that alcohol making pure uh, alcohol making process in the beginning you just purchase the product itself so you have no control of that but oh, gonna, right, so you're getting what you get. Whatever yeah. product, however good the product is, you can you process. You can process a little more, make it a little bit smoother. But in, you can't control the source of it. Right. So you can't control like what kind of grain they use or what process they uh, actually use. Right. It is what it you, is. You just get whatever they get. They get you, and then you can maybe do some cuts, or you can do some purification or uh, filtering. But you're starting from that point. Gotcha. But uh, to be fair, those are the points. Those are the spirits uh, or the basic vodka they sell for lower price. So that there's nothing wrong with those products. Uh, if you sell for a lower price, that makes sense for everybody. Gotcha. Um, so from grain to bottle, how long does it take you to make a batch of tall grass vodka? A generally taking us grain to bottle about uh, two weeks because it's about roughly about one week for the for the pro, uh, for the distilling processing itself, and another week for uh, conditioning, filtering, and the bottling itself. Right, that's all right. It sure beats, uh, you know, the, the the dark spirits or the brown yeah, of course. spirits, right? <laughs> okay, so everyone I talk to, you know, I've been into your, at your place um, sampling products, and I, I there's a whack of people that have, and the one thing people always say is it's really smooth. So maybe you can describe what gives it that smooth taste. Yeah, well, by talking about smooth, well, I guess we have to first talk about 
the unsmooth part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, some some product if you're thinking that's not smooth, and that's why. Because uh, again, when we're talking about alcohol, there are so many different other kinds. If you have more of other bad kind of alcohol in there, that will create like that unsmooth feeling, or it will give you the burning sensation, or it will have the alcohol aftertaste. That's all from like the bad alcohol that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, for us, we're using the natural grain. So uh, when you're using natural grain, especially the non-GMO grain, and they don't actually produce that much bad alcohol. So they have higher percentage of uh, really good alcohol when they when we're using the really good grains. So like I said, if you want to get a really good product, you have to start from very source. You have to use really good grain to begin with, mm-hmm. and then that's your and then after that, that's your processing and everything else. Back after the break with more Jason Kang from Capital K Distillery and Main Ingredient. Jason Kang from Capital K Distillery is here as we continue our conversation about how great handcrafted spirits are made. For some of the bigger manufacturer. Uh, or some of the manufacturer out there that actually using uh, genetic modified grains. Okay. Those ones with today's technology, you can even get almost up to eighty to ninety percent of the starch contents in the grain, mostly like corn. Uh, of course, you can make more alcohol out of it. You can make more money out of it. But at the same time, you're actually producing more bad alcohol from these genetic modified grains. Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea of uh, making of anything. Like you, if you start from natural source raw material, you're definitely gonna get a better result of your final product. The same thing with making spirits. So for some of those, they don't have much flavor to begin with, since there's eighty or ninety percent of uh, the, the grain itself is starch. So mm-hmm. there's not much flavor to begin with, and then they uh, in the process actually producing more bad alcohol that they have to filter out or they have to purify them more times to shake them off. But once they have that alcohol taste or that bad flavor minimized, they already have no other flavor left. That's why some of the vodka, they're always promoting themselves as flavorless or tasteless. Because after <laughs> after a huge process, a huge filtering or huge uh, purification process, there's really no flavor left. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, from my point of view, there's nothing wrong with it. Some people like it because... Vodka is supposed to be a base spirit to making cocktail. Right. If there's no flavor, it's easier to make a cocktail. Right. But I will say that's one kind of it. There's other kinds. So what we come in here as a craft distillery, as a local craft distillery, is we try to providing more option to the customers. Right. Okay. So what's next for Capital K uh, as far as what we're going to be producing? So we have vodka. I know that. Well, but your gin is 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 going to to uh, be on the shelves tomorrow. Yep. Right. The gin is ready to be packed. Which is perfect. Um, I love gin, so I'll have to swing by and taste some of that. What do you have lined up for the future? You have a plan on uh, what is going to be released next. So, what kind of what kind of spirits are you are you leaning towards? Sure. To be specific, the very next one we're going to have is uh, we're working on a, uh, a orange vodka. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about orange vodka that we have, it's a little bit different because the way we do it, we're using natural infusion. So when we say we're going to have an orange vodka, that means only thing in there is our vodka and orange peels. Oh, really? There's nothing else. We don't add any sugar or anything. So uh, it's really natural infusion. And we have the natural color of the orange itself, and all the flavor is actually from the orange itself. It's not from any uh, other sources or any color agent or anything. And the reason we don't add any uh, any syrup or any sugar is because... Uh, the, since we're using the real fruit itself, so the flavor is strong enough, 
And then the, another thing is a lot of liqueur out there, they actually have quite a bit of uh, syrup in them mm-hmm. to make up the flavor, so making it sweet and easier to make a cocktail. There's more sugar in there after yeah. that, right? So what we're trying to do is, we're trying, again, we're trying to providing different options for the customers. So we try to have this one without any sugar added. So when you're making cocktail from this one, you're getting your orange flavor that you want. And then uh, for the sweet agent, you can add your own simple sugar, or if you prefer not to, and then you have the option. And then right after that, we have some other uh, natural infusion uh, vodka. Uh, the most popular one, or the most one that we've been working on, it will be the espresso one. That one's ready to taste just like coffee. Yeah, hey, yep. that'll be good, right? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, we try to... Uh, uh, we try to make some other infusion vodka too, and hopefully in the in the very uh, near future we're gonna start doing rum, mm-hmm. whiskey, and brandy. You know, I'll be your taster for those. I'll, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll sacrifice myself and be your taster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and rum is very interesting too. We're gonna do our rum with black uh, black strip molasses and sugar cane sugar. Oh, cool. Uh, interesting fact here: uh, black strip molasses and sugar cane sugar together is sugar cane juice. Oh, really? Yep. So basically, but if you buying sugar cane juice itself, it's actually more expensive than this byproduct. Oh, wow! So basically, they got sugar cane and they process it, they separate them, and then you buy those ones. It's cheaper than the juice itself. That's funny. It's just the way it is. Yeah, that's bizarre. So we're gonna use those to make our rum, and then uh, rum is another very good base for other infusion the uh, infusion flavor ones like so some of the flavor ones that we've been working with let's see uh uh hazelnut vanilla mm-hmm. we try with vodka it's good but it's not good enough as our product so we were thinking if we can have hazelnut vanilla flavor with rum base mm-hmm. that would be much better right it's, yeah, it suits it better right yeah that's what i'm trying to do and uh, of course, we're gonna later on. We're gonna have uh, like uh, other rums, gold rum or dark rum or even uh, spice rum. Mm-hmm. That's all we can. Uh, that's anything. There's uh, there's no limited for us. That's a craft all about. Yeah, that's awesome. And right after that, we're gonna get into the real stuff, which is whiskey. Whiskey actually is one of my favorite uh, product to yeah. make. But you gotta graduate to it again. It's, yeah, it's an evolution. Whiskey is more like a. They have more personal touch mm-hmm. because it depending not just on the equipment. It's more depending on the master distiller himself. Mm-hmm. Everybody doing it's a little bit different. So that's the unique part about whiskey. So that's so much fun to making it. Okay, just like the craft breweries that have opened in the past year. You know, you you have a tasting room. Um, you do tours and even host uh, special events. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, right now, uh, right now we try to uh, try to uh, promoting our uh, tour and tasting is because uh, uh, the craft craft distillery, the, the concept itself, is kind of lost it in the in the past. So we try to bring back the concept first, and in order to do that, we have to bring the people into our distillery and for themselves to see in the in the in the location itself how everything is made, at least in our location. And uh, what do we have? What do we do over there? And just try to bring back the concept of craft spirits, so they know the value of that, and they know how to uh, how to tell the difference from a craft one to a, let's say maybe an industrial one. Mm-hmm. What's the difference there, and why you paying a different price and everything? Okay, so wrapping up, we're gonna give some basic info about uh, you know your uh, your distillery, as in um, your address, your contact info, and and the hours and how people you know how people get a hold of you. Yeah, sure. Uh, our location is uh, Union 3 at 1680 Dublin Avenue, uh, right beside the UPS warehouse. It's very easy to find. We have sure easy. Yeah, you can't really miss that. Okay, so we're going to give some basic info on wrapping up, uh, like you, you know, 
where you're located, uh, your contact info, and your hours. Sure. Our address is uh, Unit 3 at 1680 Dublin Avenue, uh, right beside the UPS warehouse. It's very uh, easy to find. You can't really miss it. And our phone number is 204-697-2901. And uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at uh, info at capitalkdistillery.com. Awesome. Yep. And for our hours right now, we're posting our hours as Monday to Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturday, 12 to 5. But uh, if you want to book your uh, tour advance, you we can do pretty much any time. We can do evening or we can do weekends, whatever the best time for you, for the customers. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yep. Okay. I appreciate you coming in, man. Well, the honor is mine. <laughs> what a polite young man. Capital K will be at the Arab Bistro sampling their gin and vodka products and cocktails being mixed by Joel Carlton, the owner of Bee's Knees Cocktail Collective. It's going to be a great night with John and Matt from Torque Brewing sampling their signature beers. Wine with your dinner from PMA Canada. Fiscalio Fine Oils and Vinegar sampling their products with fresh baked bread during cocktails before dinner and treats from Sweet Impressions Nut Free Bakery. Chocolatier Constance Pop, who is such a passionate person with outstanding products. Cranked Energy from Cheryl Zealand. Sherry Sobey from Generation Green at the Forks, another person who I consider a good friend. Jade Moon from Nutrition Plus and Tess White is providing an opportunity to check out her classes at Sculpt Bar Studio, whose classes are a mixture of mat exercises, free weights, and dance elements set to fun, motivating music. And you don't have to have dance experience to go. Thanks for listening to The Main Ingredient on 680 CGOB. Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. I'll talk to you next week, or I'll see you at the dinner. This is 680 CJOB.